May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be joyful in your eyes, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Please be seated. It can feel a little dangerous to name someone's truth. It can feel like coming home to have someone else lovingly describe to you who you are. That can kickstart our ability to act, to take up space, to find our voice. The woman at the well is the first person in the Gospel of John that Jesus tells his true identity to. But she almost encourages him to tell her. To tell her. The woman says, I know that the Messiah is coming. When he comes, she continues, he will proclaim all things to us. I imagine that she is already kind of convinced that she is talking to the Messiah, but it might be pretty awkward for her if she gets that wrong. So Jesus says, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. How good it must have felt for Jesus to be able to share who he is with her. How even better for him to have been believed. The woman goes back to town and tells her community and miraculously, miraculously, her community listens to her and believes her and invites Jesus and his disciples to stay for a few days. But I began with the end here. Why this ending is so miraculous will be clear if we go back to the beginning. So, the beginning. It was about noon. Based on context clues from the Gospel of John, it is likely past the rainy season and into the dry season. A Mediterranean climate has cool, wet winters and hot, dry summers. The summers, especially away from the ocean side or the seaside, can get really hot. And two chapters ago, Jesus celebrated Passover in Jerusalem. Passover is celebrated on the night of the first full moon after the spring equinox. Jesus and the woman are at Jacob's well. Today, that well is across the road from Balata refugee camp, where I spent some time in my early 20s doing documentary photography and learning Arabic. A Samaritan community still lives on the top of one of the tall hills that hug the communities. And in the summertime, temperatures can get up into the 90s and even 100s. If you lived there, you would make sure to be indoors in the hours around noon. If you hadn't done your routine chores, they could wait. Unless, unless, that is, it were better to do your routine chores away from the gaze of your community. This woman at the well was there at noon in the dry season. Like every society in the Eastern Mediterranean at that time, 
Samaritan society had prescribed rules and roles for women in which the ideal woman was only married once and heaven forbid she lived with a man who is not her husband. Samaritan society would have treated this woman of five husbands plus a live-in partner as not ideal. I, I bet that didn't feel too great. Agency, or the capacity for action to use one's voice, is constructed both personally and socially. In his book, The Life and Times of Frederick Douglass, Douglass describes the event that changed his life. When he was 16, it became clear to him that the beatings from his enslaver, Covey, had to stop. He would have to fight back. This was a choice between life and death, where the choice to claim dignity and life risked his own death. The spark of initiative came from Douglas, but his community saw this spark and fanned it into a flame. The night before Douglas fought back against Covey, another enslaved person, Sandy, invited Douglas to him and his wife's place for food and comfort and Sandy gave Douglas a route for protection. Douglas wrote that Sandy, quote, found me and helped me when I could not help myself, unquote. Likewise, the next day, in different instances, two enslaved people, Bill and Caroline, both walked by and, quote, pretended they didn't know what to do. When Covey asked them for assistance, when it was clear that Douglas had overpowered him. If his community had reacted in other ways, Frederick Douglass's life may have been very different. This is not to say that the spark that existed in Douglas that told him that he was not going to take physical abuse anymore would have been invalid if he hadn't been so supported. However, in order for a person to be able to act to their full capacity, there need to be genuine opportunities that the person recognizes as opportunities for them to act and use their voice. Douglas recognized both Sandy and his wife and Bill and Caroline as essential to his story. Jesus and the Samaritan woman mutually support each other in their conversation at the well Often in the Gospels, when Jesus speaks about esoteric, spiritual things, the men he talks to usually get really literal or really confused, or both. Last week, when Jesus spoke of being born a second time, the Pharisee Nicodemus asked him how a person could go back into their mother's womb. Very literal. But today... When Jesus tells the woman about living water, the water you drink and you're never thirsty again, the woman here in the dusty heat of the day at the well, yes, ands him and engages his ideas. She believes him. And then he tells her that she has had five husbands plus a current living partner. And he keeps talking with her. Even knowing this, 
The woman then possibly, I imagine, feels the courage to change the subject and talk about the differences between their religious practices. This woman probably had many harsh words and judgmental glances at the well from other women in her community. But now she was having a theological talk with a respected teacher. It was an exchange where both of their ideas mattered. It was an exchange that changed the well for her. And it changed her. When the disciples come back, the gospel writer writes that, quote, they were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but nobody said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Because the disciples didn't need to say anything. Those questions were written all over their faces and they were probably treating the woman the way she was used to be treated at the well. But here's where the miracle begins. It didn't matter anymore. She had been seen. This place, the well, which used to be her place of social isolation, was now a place where Jesus had told her that he saw her identity and he still wanted to talk with her. The spark and the curiosity that she had shared with Jesus now spurred her to go on and tell her community. And they believed her so much that they invited him and his disciples to stay with them. And they did. I like to imagine the disciples experiencing Samaritan hospitality because also like any Eastern Mediterranean culture, Samaritans are very good at hospitality. Were the disciples' unspoken questions and judgments still written on their faces as they sat in the places of honor as guests? I wonder what that was like. But wondering aside, here and now, how are we called to support each other's sparks? Sometimes we are not aware of what we can give or even not aware of others' struggles. Education is often the best perennial step. I read a lot of speculative fiction and fantasy by authors who are not white or not men, as I have spent most of my life reading classics by white men. And two of my favorite characters that I've read in the past few years are Brie from Tracy Dion's Legendborn series and Katrina from Rika Aoki's Light from Uncommon Stars. These main characters live in bodies and have experiences that I will never have. Brie as a black girl and Katrina as a trans girl. But like with all of us, Brie and Katrina's stories are about much more than just one of their identity markers. In Legendborn, I learned about black hair care, but as it relates to the high stakes of demon fighting and teen romance. In Light from Uncommon Stars, I learn about the struggles that trans people face daily as they have to read and anticipate whether or not a new person or a new situation is safe, as it related to Katrina trying to find a place to practice her violin. In a world populated by alien refugees who run a donut shop and violin teachers who happen to have made deals with the devil. Yeah, I like some pretty fantastic stories. The demons and the space aliens make it seem far away enough 
that it's a safe enough escape to read, but the result is that I can practice sitting in the awareness that even in this reality here, I ultimately have no clue what someone else's experience is like. As much as I can learn about it, I won't ever totally know. But this does not mean that I cannot root for them and think of ways to fan their flames. Although we're all human, the stories that have lovingly and brutally shaped us into who we are today are radically different. And yet, here we are. In our daily lives with each other, we are called to affirm each other's identities like Jesus and the Samaritan woman did. Jesus asked the Samaritan woman for water, heard her need for good news, for someone to break her social isolation. My friend, Geraldine, says that, quote, leadership is an opportunity to listen well. Listening well means not shying away from hard emotions or realities. It means paying attention to what's not said as well as to what is shouted. It means fortifying young leaders with food and care. It can also mean refusing to aid an abuser, like Bill and Caroline refused to aid their enslaver, Covey. In different circumstances, leadership looks different. As followers of Jesus, let's follow Jesus to the well at noon, in the dry season. Maybe we will meet someone who has an incredible voice, who can do amazing things. Maybe we will meet Christ there. I wonder how Jesus felt when he told the Samaritan woman, I am he. Was it as liberating for him to be accepted for his divinity and his humanity? It can feel a little dangerous to name somebody's truth, but it can feel like coming home to have somebody else lovingly describe who you are. Being affirmed in this way can make all the difference. May we see each other's sparks and fan each other's flames, living in the humility of knowing that we can never fully know another one's experience. Amen.